0: The GM's Podcast, Episode 14, Twilight Imperium, 4th Edition. Hi, I'm Zach from Ask the GM's Podcast. Been a board gamer for years and an RPG master for years, and I want to talk about great, fun board games and adventures with you. Gonna hand it off to Pat.
1: Hey, it's me, Pat, Pat, the artist formerly known as Rob. Um, (laughs) uh, Hey again, everybody. I'm glad to be back with us. Um, I'm gonna or we're gonna talk about one of my favorite uh, sci-fi board games. It is massive, and uh, yeah, I'm just glad to be here. Um Brian, hey
2: everybody. Um, I'm Brian, and I guess I'm your resident flight advisor today as the uh, as the flight is. and um yeah, I'll uh, hand it off to Lindsay.
3: Hi, everybody. I'm Lindsay. Uh, I am a board game lover and lover of TTRPGs, and uh, I'm really happy to be with you guys again. Uh, And I'm going to toss it over to Rob. Eyes.
0: Slander. Okay, we're going to pause right here, not because I want to slow us down any further. Ian just told me he's going to be on in like a few minutes, so we might as well just wait a couple minutes then.
2: Okay. Okay, Okay. yeah, that'll give me time to work on my, my entrance. Or your shout out. Yeah,
0: that, that's
2: that's it. Yep. Master of? Yeah, I was I thinking,
3: think. are you gonna are you gonna sing for your entrance?
2: <laughs> um yeah, it involves a top hat and a cane. Hell Ooh. yeah.
3: Putting
1: on the rest. Yeah, I was about to say my mind went to young Frankenstein as well.
0: <laughs> well Lindsay, I, I want you to know right now before we get into later in the episode. I've actually kept my word every time I've played this game. I have not betrayed anyone directly.
3: Well, isn't that nice?
0: No, I have definitely like convinced the table to fuck someone over, but uh, I kept my word.
3: So you just convinced other people one. to do it. <laughs> 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 okay, I mean, you know, loopholes.
0: Yeah, if you that's about you- to win, fuck uh, that guy. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck him. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> Here oh, I really
3: am.
1: With no no fleet of ships, and I'm just like, well, I'm a plant, and everyone's just
0: shitting on. <laughs> to be fair, you like the shit because, like, oh, it's just I'll just use that later. Yeah, Maneuver. we're
3: fine.
1: Mm-hmm. Turns out, don't don't anger a flock of birds because they'll 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 just get you.
3: Yep. Yep. Ah. Birds don't fuck around. Do
2: they no, they don't. From the land or from the air, Mm-mm.
3: they're full of rage.
0: The the chickens came to peck out my roots. And then he took all of his rage out on like random robots. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a transformer. Beep, boop boop. Fuck you. Here's the Death Star up your ass.
2: <laughs> I wanted to use it. I bought it. I wanted to use it.
0: You got to use it, really. So, Lindsay, in the game, you get War Sons, which is like literally a Death Star. Yes,
3: it's exactly. Yeah. What it is.
0: They can't like directly blow up a planet, but you can that kill everything. Like, oh, like, you can okay. kill everything on it. <laughs>
3: Okay, you just can't blow... It's not going to blow up the entire planet.
0: There's a faction of uh, pl- plasma people that can make a system go supernova, though. Yeah. yeah. That,
3: that is yeah, sick. Yeah,
0: they can they can blow up a planet. Or several planets. I agree. Maybe more than one, because yeah, it's yeah. a supernova. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what Brian needs to play next time. Just, he starts with the War Sun, and he just cruises around.
3: That would be amazing.
0: <laughs> oh, and th- they're the only race that can freely move into supernovas, too. Yep.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, they got... Hell, I guess I'll uh, pull up a picture of them, because they're another one I forgot to put on there. They
0: got, got, like, weird... They got weird diving suits, but it makes sense because they're made of, like, plasma. uh,
1: Lindsay, have you ever seen Fifth Element? Yes. They remind me of those guys. Like,
0: the suits. The starting aliens, yeah. Not the weird... Not the weird ogre-looking things.
1: No, no, not, not those ones. They look like the guys that were putting out the uh, four element rocks or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, you may not agree when you see them, but I don't know. That's what they look like to me.
0: I don't know. 100% agree, but I definitely could see where you would get that concept. Like, it's still like.
1: If you look at the top half, yeah, but now that I'm looking at a full image of it, their bottom half is all like little robot legs.
2: That's the embers, right?
1: Yeah, that's the embers right there. Wow. They were the slaves of some space squids to make death stars, but then they revolted against their squid masters and said, F you! we're taking our Death Stars with us, and they did that.
2: Oh, there they
0: go. Yep, they literally start with the Warsun because they stole it, because it's theirs.
1: Yep. Hmm. Oh, and Brian, one of their trade agreements is they can uh, g- give a, give out War Sun tech to somebody so they don't have to research it. They can just be like, oh, I know how to make War Suns now. Oh,
0: okay. And you mean one of their uh, promissory
1: notes? Yeah, that's what I meant. It's one I've always played around with playing, but uh just never got
0: around to it. It's definitely I definitely lost that game. I can tell you that for a fact
1: yeah i mean the you know the people that are on the internet say that they're one of the harder factions to war win with just just like um sorry, the bugs are hard to win with. It, it seems like um many of the races that are geared towards war have um uh a harder go of things.
0: Well, the thing with Embers is they start with that war zone and everyone's, like, immediately, like, peeing in their pants. Like, I don't want any of that. But then you're like, well, they don't have a really good fleet, so if you send enough fighters, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if um if you were playing the Embers, just, like, try and bully people. Like, yo, I'm going to come over there and shit on you unless you give me some trade goods. Just like, oh, okay. I don't know. Could be a tactic. I'm, I may try one day.
0: I think maybe the bugs are a little better at that. Probably. Probably.
1: And RC was trying to will and deal with his dinosaurs real hard. So,
0: yeah, I wasn't
2: interested in trading with that thief.
0: <laughs> well, he, I didn't realize that He told me later. Apparently, like when him and John got in their big kerfuffle on RC's right side, that was RC's only planet that had any influence. He didn't have a single influence.
1: Oh, so he was hurting for influence real bad. Oh, Brian sounds like he doesn't give a shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I
0: had plenty of influence. I also like the fact that somehow all of my planets were hazardous. Like, I had like one cultural planet and everything else was red. Yeah. Zach, what do you have? A shithole? Another shithole? A third shithole? At least they make a lot of stuff. Yeah.
1: I think uh, me and Brian's slice of the galaxy was pretty nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had a a fuck ton of planets by us.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I I, I never went over there.
2: Well, I don't know. You did walk over to my, my spread and tell me my planets all sucked
0: though, so... Well no that that was play a card, and I played it. I played it on a pad anyways. Uh,
1: Brian, we had um a whole other world out there that neither of us ever grabbed. It was that one with the green tech prerequisite that I wanted, but I just never went to go get, yeah, yeah, that's
2: the one you wanted. Yeah, that was the one you wanted
1: because initially Brian's like, "Oh, you have a red tech planet over there that I kind of want, And I'm like, oh, you have a green tech planet over there I kind of want, but like. I guess as soon as I started getting into Mechatol, I just forgot about it.
2: Yeah, you like, you took the red one instead of the green one. I don't. I was. I was not sure why, but you know,
1: it mainly because it was in my way on the way to Mechatol. So it was like a
2: convenience thing. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you would have been like, in the, you would you would have like cut me off because I guess I had that the the wormhole planet that I like could have gone. Yeah. On.
1: I feel like that wormhole planet is what kind of like kept you off of the main board for a little bit. You were trying to get out there and put some shit on it.
2: Yeah, get that. Because that planet had, I don't know if it was influence or resource, but it was like good. And it gave me like shit, so. Yeah, I had to have something good on it, I believe. That's how I kept good. That's the only way I was acquiring trade goods was because that planet, I could exhaust it at the end of my turn and just get two trade goods.
1: Oh, I know that planet.
2: Okay. Yeah. No, uh, the planet was dope. That's the only way that I acquired like trade goods at all.
0: Should have told, um, Ar- should have told RC to stop that.
2: <laughs> there just wasn't a lot of trading. Well, at least on our side of the table, there was a lot of trading.
0: Not a lot of neighbors, and that's the negative of not having the cats. I like the fact that the cats make a lot of trading. It makes a lot of more interaction in the game. I also like wheel wheeling dealing a whole bunch because she does have warehouse. If you have tr- coin,
2: have you guys have, have any of you played with the council?
0: That's the... That's the new faction no, oh, that was okay. in the mail.
2: Okay,
1: barely
0: in the mail. Yeah, have you have you
1: looked into them, Brian? Like, do you know do you know what they do?
2: I'm on fandom right now, like looking at all of the uh, factions.
0: Damn it, it's not a faction.
2: No, there's just a fuck ton of pop ups on this website. Okay, there we go. I mean, the abilities seem kind of
0: cool. I do like that they basically start some take someone else's home system, which is a, a very cool way to do a, a faction that. There probably most people wouldn't be willing to print, you know, like a planetary tile.
4: Yeah. Hello, everyone. Ian Harper here. And today we're talking about Twilight Imperium 4. And it's a real barn burner because I love those 4X games.
0: Thank you, Ian. And as everyone has alluded, we are talking about the, the big space game, Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. I generally consider it to be the space game. It's the game every, like, every space game wants to be this. It's King of the mountain. Lindsay, would you like to read the definition of what 4X stands for?
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the definition is uh, a 4X, uh, it's a stra- a subgenre of strategy video game. Uh, the term is a loose acronym of Explore, Expand, Exploit, and Exterminate.
0: Yep. And in terms of video games, Civ is probably the most famous of all of them.
4: And my personal favorite as well.
3: Oh, gotcha. Okay.
0: There's even a Civ board game. I don't. I think the I think the video game predates the board game, but that might be one of those iffy ones because they were out about the same time.
4: Yeah, the 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 video game predates it just slightly. Um, and and I didn't. I never got onto the board game. The, the board game never caught on for me.
2: Civilization. I think you mean Animal Crossing. Definitely a four E game. Four X. Yes, that's what I said for absolutely.
1: absolutely. What's the extermination in Animal Crossing, Brian? I'm curious.
2: You're cutting down trees and you squash, um, uh, roaches.
0: What are you exploiting in Animal Crossing?
2: Um, you, you go to, like, different islands to go get, like, resources. So you, you know, if you need wood and stones, you're laying that island... Barren and leaving. He's
4: making a strong oh. case here, guys. It, it's happening. Yep.
1: I know where the exploitation is in Animal Crossing. It's Tom Nook, that raccoon.
3: I was about He's to say that. You
0: broke soul. Ouch. It's
3: those fucking nooks.
4: Wow. <laughs> you
0: get Lots of hostility.
4: Lots of hostility there.
0: Now, isn't red version and blue version of Pokemon also a Forex game? Because I definitely exterminated a whole bunch of Zubats.
3: Oh yeah.
4: Oh, and and the amount of like the Weebles, the little the little.
0: Caterpillar guys took him
3: out. Weedle. God. Mm. Anyway.
0: I got a little spat on my butt and my head. (laughs) Pat, would you like to define for the podcast and our listeners, what is Twilight Imperium? Oh, boy.
1: Twilight Imperium. All right. So it is your quintessential space opera. It has 20 or 20 plus maybe different alien species within this vast universe. Um, for the fluff. There used to be an empire, the Lazax Empire, that had fallen into ruination within the universe, and it used to be the, the ruling power that kind of controlled how everything went. So, whenever we're playing Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, or uh, just in that setting, is post the fall of that empire where all these different races and factions and cultures are vying for power within the Imperium. Uh, the main planet that's, you know, that holds the seat of the Empire is called Mechatol Rex. And um, you have all sorts of different kinds of factions, via um, you know, um, a AI program that's become hateful towards all life and wants to assimilate the rest of the galaxy. You have space cats that are a merchant race of seven foot tall cats that'll beat you up and uh you know everybody knows everybody or you could be peace turtles that are all about slamming down peace accords and making new laws or you have your run-of-the-mill humans as well the federation of soul um zach is there anything else you would like to add about the general fluff of twilight imperium or should we talk about that
0: plastic now we should move to dat plastic Brian, you want to talk about the massive amount of plastic you just get as an individual player?
2: Yeah, I, I think I started with, like, um, you get a box, like, you know, and it's, it's, how do I describe it? It's, like, the size of a, it's like, half of an iPad full of... I was going to say,
0: mm-hmm. I, I basically bought, like, a pencil, pencil storage box for the storage for yeah, each color. That, yeah,
2: yeah, like, and it's, and you store it very well, so I appreciate that. Um, but... It's And it's just full of plastic. Um, I think I started with like 8 to 10 total units. And I had stuff everywhere. Um, There's a lot of it. It's fun.
0: Yep. And you get a variety of plastic. It's not just ground forces. It's mechs. It's giant Death Star-like units. It's giant Star Destroyer-like units. It's carriers. It's uh, cruisers, battleships. It's basically like most of what you think in Star Wars, but a little more.
1: And infantry, because not everything is in space. Sometimes you
0: find on the world. And PDS, because PDSs are pretty dope. Yep, your planetary defense system and cannon.
1: And um, just so our audience realizes the quantity we have, is uh, the Twilight Imperium box is probably, I'd say, a bit bigger than a briefcase, and I'd say about two briefcases stacked on top of each other. So it is hefty. And um, whenever we spread it all out on the table, uh, what is the dimensions of that table we were using? Like a six foot by 10 foot table to spread out and still people were cramped.
0: That's about right, six by 10. And the box size is widely called from Fantasy Flight Games, the coffin size box.
1: Yeah, so it is heavy as is the game is heavy, but don't let that daunt you.
0: Okay, another big point of the game is this is not a, hey, let's just play TI4 which is what the nickname of the game or an acronym. This is a commitment game. This is like Game of Thrones. This is like Dune. This is the game you are playing. You will set aside a day to play this game. And generally, most people want to play six because the galaxy is, is hexagons. All the planets are hexagons. So you want to have all six players there. So it's a good game, but you have to commit. Like you have to commit, like you're going to be there four or five hours. What is everyone's thoughts on that?
4: yeah you you definitely want to schedule it and get an agreed upon time and an agreed upon meeting place and and as Pat was saying, you need to make sure you have a table that can support that and you need to have a space that can support the size because just to go back to that, that's the that's the first most obvious thing about this game when you unbox it is we're gonna need a large space to play this. Uh, I recommend uh planning your meals. Maybe you're probably going to have two meals while you play this game. I want to have that prepped out and ready to go. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely need to commit some serious time to this and, and, and avoid bailing if, you, if, if at all possible.
2: It's a marathon for sure. Um, where Absolutely. Seven Wonders is a sprint, this is a marathon.
0: Yeah, I think the fastest I've ever played it is three and a half hours.
4: The two times that I played it, it was both four hours, and I think one time I had to leave because it was because it was just running too long. But, yeah, it, it easily goes into four hours or more.
1: Now, it can be trimmed, you know, if you have a table full of people that are well-versed, they know the motions, they know their strategies. Like, you can, you know, chew it down more. Um, but don't let it be daunting. It's not you know 5 hours or 6 hours of strenuous you know debating and head scratching there are some debates but it is very entertaining
4: oh no and and to that point pat it's it's very um it's paced in a very good way so that to to your point it's not you're not under the gun it's not stressful at all there is going to be some downtime so you you've got time to chill out and you know chat while things are going on and it's not you're not having to be totally tuned in the entire time i mean it's it's good you want to pay attention but you don't have to be on like the entire time you're there
2: yeah and i will say that the second time was considerably easier like have knowing how the game was played a lot less anxiety (laughs) playing it the second time
0: well not only that like it seems like the game is more intimidating than it actually is. The actual play is super easy. You you basically have three to four options on a turn, and a lot of them are very clear, like, this isn't a good move to make right now, so I'm, I'm going to save that option for later. Yeah, you can, you can boil it down to, oh, I'm going to move guys over here to like
1: either fight or posture them to fight or defend a border, or I'm going to go over here and build some stuff. You know, it's... The actions themselves are simplicity. The complexity comes in, you know, your decisions that you make.
0: Okay, well, to get into starting the game further, Pat, would you like to start discussing the three phases of play? Okay, I'm definitely going to mess them up. Um, But is
1: it the strategy phase, agenda phase, and what's the other phase I'm missing?
0: So I believe it's strategy phase, action phase, resolution phase, and the agenda is like a sub-phase of that. Okay,
1: so within the strategy phase is when you're collecting your thoughts, what you're about to do before the round. There are seven strategy cards, is that right, Zach? Eight. Eight strategy cards. And um, what these vary from, you know, one, they determine your initiative order within the round, so that is important in itself. But it's kind of... um, an extra option, a boon that you can get, and you can get it just for yourself. But there are, you know, subsets of that where other people can benefit off of what you pick. So there's many
0: layers to that. Um, But once It's it's kind of like uh, if you ever play, like, a drafting game or, like, a certain type of card games where, like, you get to take the major action, but everyone else can kind of follow your action as, like, a side...
1: Yeah, so you can't... um, bogart all the abilities of the strategy card you know other people do participate um but they can be such things as building more buildings in your area or hey i'm i dictate you know who gets trade goods and i'm gonna be you know the head of the merchants this time or one's warfare where you know you can move your ships really quickly and aggressively onto somebody potentially fight with it or uh, it could simply be, oh, I want more cards, or what is uh, diplomacy. You can select a system and be like, oh, nobody can fight here. You know, we're we're going to have peace here. So those are kind of the varying flavors of the different strategy cards you can get. Um, then we go to the action phase. And this is where we're going to spend the majority of our playtime in and this is the one where it's like oh you activate a system you move your ships in there you build some stuff in there that's that's the major moving of the pieces within the board and then the final phase is whenever we get to clean up reset everything refresh all of our planets and then once somebody activates mechatol rex the big important planet at the center of the universe then we get into the agenda phase and that's where we get into all the politics and voting you know some of these agendas could be as much as like oh um you know there's a tax on fighter ships so now instead of paying one dollar for two fighters you have to pay one dollar for one fighter or you know hey let's destroy half of all the dreadnoughts and some player has a lot of dreadnought ships and they're like no we don't want that to happen so that's uh just a basic breakdown of the different phases
0: yeah that's a pretty good breakdown pat And you are right, the importance of the first phase is, like, whatever role you pick of the eight, like, really changes your turn. And it's usually the phase where people spend the most time before they start taking actions, is they're strongly considered, like, what do I pick? Yeah, what do I need to do
1: for this whole round?
4: For for
0: me, this is the most challenging part
4: of the game, is figuring out which role to take right at the beginning. This is always the a bit that challenges me the most for sure this is where the biggest piece of strategy this is like like you guys were saying this is the foundation of your strategy for that turn and um it it can it can sometimes um be the difference between winning and losing so um this is this is a, a tough part for me usually
1: and um just a pointer about this phase and just kind of about this game in general um it is a massive game. We were talking about a six-foot by uh, ten-foot table that we were playing on, and that wasn't even enough room. So oftentimes you'll find yourself way on the other side of the table from these strategy cards. And say you're a new player, you don't know exactly what every strategy card does. Or over there, and, you know, I'll talk about the main objectives, your main goals. They'll be on the other side of the table, and you can't see them. So something I've been doing recently and... Um, I would suggest to other new players, people that want to try this out, is um, take a photo of the different strategies or look up online what the different strategy cards are or take a piece of paper and pencil and write down what they are. And uh, same thing with objectives. So, you know, know, rather than having to get up and walk to the other side of the table to look at it because how huge this thing is, you just have a quick reference in front of you so you can kind of formulate your game plan without having to, you know, interrupt or slow down play.
0: Well, especially cause like if you have the role, you have the card in front of you, but that doesn't help you like remember what everyone else's does. Yeah.
2: And you know, going back to like picking, sometimes you don't get a good choice. You know, like you have a plan of what you're trying to accomplish and there's a law saying, Oh, if you research tech, you have to blow up a ship. So nobody really wants to pick tech, even though you, you you're the I remember being like the last player and I had the choice between I think there's three that I was was I don't want any of these. And you know, they kinda have to pivot at that point too. So it's it's all about game flow.
0: Well, in addition to that, uh, because if we usually play with six, there's eight options. The two options that aren't picked a, a trade good, which is basically a free dollar, is placed on them. So eventually the ones that aren't picked will get picked just for the free money.
4: Um, Pat, I liked your idea about taking a picture of the roll cards and the objectives, because I'll, I'll go ahead and save right from the very beginning. The first time I played it, I, and you guys know, I have really bad eyesight. I can't really see then, and, and it is a very big board and, um, I, you know, admittedly full transparency here. If, if I'm at one end of the board, I can't see the other end with very much detail. Um, so, uh, I did really poorly my first game because I was a little bit um, apprehensive to go look at the cards uh, as much as I needed to because I really needed to familiarize myself with those, and I was somewhat reluctant to do so. So I really like that idea, and I totally recommend that. I wish I had done that the first time I played.
1: Yeah, if you'll look in our Discord chat, um, me and Brian were sitting by one another this last time and uh brian i believe was asking me some questions about the strategy cards and i was just like hey man look in the discord i i, I put them in there for us so we can have those to reference
2: yes and i i, I didn't say that right away and i wanted to because it, i did want to thank you because that helped so much like it was you know one page it had all eight so i knew exactly you know it wasn't that wasn't a question to me and it was super useful so thanks pat i appreciate the uh the assistance very clutch.
4: <laughs> I mean,
1: you know, I was n- now I know what they do, but whenever I was first getting into PI, I was just like, oh god.
0: And for our uh, people that are like outside looking in, Rob or Lindsay, any questions or comments so far?
3: Strategy cards. They so the strategies stay the same the entire game, correct?
0: Yeah, there's eight and Basically, there's a speaker that basically, who's ever like the head of government. He gets first pick of the eight. Whatever one you pick is your turn order. So if you pick one, you go first. You pick eight, you go last. And it gives you like a roll for the round. Mm-hmm. And then all of your opponents can sometimes opt in to take the a lesser version of the role. Oh,
3: okay.
4: And also, Lindsay, to to be clear here, the roles change every turn. You pick a new one every turn.
3: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, you're not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed to get the same one. And for anybody listening, the
1: who gets the speaker token is actually fairly important because you know they're the first one to pick their strategy card, so they're not inhibited by anybody else. They can get exactly what they need when they need it. But so you- what you'll what you'll find as far as like a balancing thing, there's a, a card called po- uh, politics, which. Basically what it does is you can assign who the speaker is for the next round and get a few like little action cards, little little something extra. But usually that's one of the ones that is last picked or you know towards the end. So that way whoever gets first pick is uh, can can flip around the table. Cause if you let it just stay on one side of the table for the rest of the game. You're going to very much cripple yourself as far as what you're able to do. Because, like Brian was saying, you know, hey, it gets around to you and, you know, you got three choices and all of them suck. Like, well, that's how it is sometimes. Grab that politics strategy token and get speaker for yourself or for your neighbor. You can get some goods out of your neighbor maybe if you talk into giving it to him.
0: Yeah. One of the best strategies, one of the best strategies is you like, you take politics and you sell it to the person to your right. Because that's person's last. Cool. Yeah, you know, like Lindsay, if if I took politics and theoretically I could assign it to me and you're to my right. Theoretically if I keep speaker out of that, you're the last person to pick. So you're the person I'm gonna make the best deal to. Yeah.
1: Neat. Zach has implemented that strategy quite
0: a bit.
3: <laughs> I bet he has. Maybe that's I should Zach sit Go, Lindsay. Oh, I was just going to say so so that's what begins everything, correct? That's begins your your round.
0: Yeah, like is this like
3: the strategy bit?
0: Yep. Whatever role you pick is your turn order. So basically, tells you I will act in this order. If I'm eight, I always go last the round.
2: Got it. And one of your one of your actions during your turn, you can you can move, or you can like use your, you know, you can use the ability basically, and people will, you know, for for example, Pat needed money to use, or you needed a token to be able to use technology because you have to train some when you as the player when you i'm using technology the bottom ability on the card allows your opponents to also take part in that at a higher cost so pat was like hey i need to i need two more dollars to be able to you know also participate can you wait one turn to do it so I don't I don't remember what we exchanged for that but it's it's a it's very small politics and you don't think about it but you're it's impactful
1: yeah the order of operations definitely matters and um the cool thing about the game is um there there's all sorts of things you can trade. You can trade commodities, you can trade trade goods. There's um, these things we haven't talked about yet called promissory notes, where they could be uh, a ceasefire where it's like, oh, you attack me, I'll play this promissory note you gave me that says ceasefire, you're not attacking me, get out of my system. Or it could be as powerful as support for the throne where it's like, oh, here's one victory point, I want you to, uh, fluff-wise, win the game. But uh, it's kind of um, a hardcore handshake agreement, like, we will not kill each other. We give each other a victory point. Because uh, if you attack the person
0: who gives you the point, you lose the point.
1: Yeah, so there's there's many different things you can trade. I believe in this instance, uh, Brian's referring to um, I this agent that was allowing me to upgrade any ship on the board for free and i was like oh brian i need you to do this in this order for me buddy um but you know i'll give you a free ship upgrade if you know you want to do that deal so many handshakes many little minor deals being made between all the players all around the board um so talking to each other and cutting deals is another big factor of this game that it's one of those things that makes it very enjoyable.
2: That's there's cool. a lot of table talk. That's and it's under, and it's cool because, like, I know Zach was over over there. Like, I think you were sitting next to RC, and you guys were talking constantly. I didn't know what you guys were talking about most of the time, but it was just as much as Pat and I were talking.
0: We said, "Fuck those birds."
2: Suck my balls.
0: <laughs> and another important part about your role, Lindsay, is you cannot pass until you do roll. So that like tra- changes it, makes it a game of. Do I wait everyone else out till they use their role and pass and use mine? Or do I use it immediately when they're not ready for it? Because that can really, like, like jam someone up real bad. Because, like, you're not guaranteed to do the bottom of everyone else's role. Like, you can't always follow their action. Like, you might not have the resources or the actual, like, player token to do it. Gotcha. For the next tiny topic, we're going to talk about uh, upper-level play versus standard play. This is just more of, like, me and Pat playing several games versus a new player. It doesn't mean we have a distinct advantage. It's just, like, we're aware of, like, tricks and stratagems that a new player wouldn't be aware of.
1: Yeah, there's constantly little things that I see Zach doing, it because um, Zach has a fair few wins on TI, just like I have a fair few on Dune. And uh, so me and Zach will, you know post-game talk to each other about like oh man there was this like just as we were mentioning before he passes the speaker token to his right to get a favor to the person from the right and uh you know it all works out for him so learning how to make good trades uh for instance our last game that little upgrade power i just mentioned i was selling that for a lot around the table and it didn't cost me anything to give to other people, and I, that was that was just that little, hey, here's here's two nickels. Uh, can you do me this favor? Um, and you know, we, we from our level of play. Me and Zach definitely are not um, upper level players or competitive players. You know, in a higher echelon kind of sense. But uh, there's definitely deep deep strategies within this game that once you get a handful of games under your belt, you'll start chasing those uh, chasing those, and finding new ones out for yourself. So that's uh, a lot to crunch on, which makes it very fun.
0: Yeah, because like a part of the game we didn't talk about is during setup, there's an initial draft of powers, and maybe you get your power, maybe you don't. And that's optional, but another part is you draft the galaxy. Everyone gets a handful of tiles, and you guys get to secretly arrange what the galaxy is going to be like. And there's a lot of head play right there because, like, that might be an empty system. That might be a supernova, and if you put that supernova in the wrong spot for someone, you might force them to go to the left or right. So you might force them into conflict with their neighbors. Because Zach is talking
1: about something that exactly happened to him, and he, he, you know, being forced into your neighbors is horrible out of the gate. Like that is not a place you want to be.
4: I was gonna say the, the one of my favorite parts about this game is. Beginning and drafting the map, like the galaxy map, is that's it, just a lot of fun. That's one of the things I have the most fun doing. I know that sounds lame, but like that's that's a piece of the game I really enjoy.
0: No, it is the most important part of the game. That is not an argument. That is the most important part of the game.
4: Oh, and and not even not even just a, from a from a strategic standpoint, just from a, a a standpoint of enjoying the game and just having joy while playing. And it's just a lot of fun doing that part.
1: And it is right out the gate because there there are things that just are kind of entertaining. Like uh, this last game, um, Zach had a bunch of space dinosaurs to his right that are very aggressive. You don't want to be neighbors with these space dinosaurs. So essentially there was almost a, uh, a line of uh, red, red, you know, potentially bad tiles between him and the dinosaurs kind of blocking them off. Which was uh, funny to see. And... Um, Other things that could be, you know, revealed by these tiles is, say, I'm just going to pick on R.C. because he was the dinosaurs. He had a wormhole right beside him. And then somebody across the board had the opposite wormhole. And they're like, oh, no, terrible space dinosaurs that want to eat me can pop up right here on my front doorstep. So I might want to, like, put some people there to kind of stop that from happening. So it's just so fun out of the gate.
4: I believe, Pat, that's how I lost the fir- my first time that I played. I-, I got knocked out really early because there was a wormhole. I think it was, um, I can't remember who we were playing with. It was. It might have been Dave, maybe. Uh, but.
0: <laughs> oh, Dave.
4: Yeah, and, and it might have been, I can't remember, but there was a wormhole next to his home planet and the, the matching wormhole next to mine, and he just snuck right in there while I was off. In TI4, I have a tendency to go off and explore too much and not go after objectives. I just kind of wander off. And, um, yeah, he just took my system out while my dudes were out on a five-year mission of exploration.
1: Yeah. Well, exploring isn't bad because in uh, TI4, the Prophecy of Kings expansion that we've been playing with, you're really kind of rewarded for exploring as well because... You can go out and get these space relics that do potentially crazy things like blowing up a system or something like that and um then even even in the hazardous tiles or the voids of space there's these um technology you can get called dark energy tap where you go and you look in there and that's you know any potential relic and has higher levels of goodies so you know in out exploring wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but maybe next time if he has a wormhole to somebody else's wormhole, you <laughs> might plan for that contingency.
2: Going back to the uh, the tile placement, I believe when we started, it was Zach had like you had basically a straight to Megaton, and that's about it because RC was taking up a decent amount of space already, and you had. You know, going from your home system, there was two reds. I think, I believe I placed one of those. I think it was an empty space, though. I think it was just nothing there.
0: All I know is you guys tried to hate draft me because I win all the time and it didn't hurt me. It fucked over RC. It like fucked him so bad. I put
2: a red tile directly in front of my home system.
0: And I feel like,
4: I I feel like I, I feel like this was the second game I played. This is sounding really familiar.
0: No, this is this is the most recent game. RC was to my right, and I was last in the draft, which means I got like two picks. So I basically just seated my own little my own section. Fine. RC basically got all the splashback.
4: But I will say, Zach, I hate to hear that they were going after you like that.
0: I mean, they just think I've won this game so many times, and I don't think that's the case.
2: Zach has won every single time I've played.
1: I've, uh, I put that really dangerous red empty space tile right near you, Zach. It, you know, I knew it was going to mess up your day.
4: It, he sounded so pleased to say that, too. Like, like, he got a lot of joy from yeah, that.
3: Yeah, it was the lowest of mirth in there.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I have had, I have had the supernova actively put, like, right by me multiple times.
1: Yeah, it wasn't as bad as all that, right, Zach? You had no supernovas near you.
0: Yeah. Also, Pat has learned his lesson. He's watched me score four points in the single turn, and this is a first to ten game. So that quickly became, oh no, Zach is 40% of the way there now. All I have to say is that uh, the strategy card um, number eight, which
1: is Imperial, um, don't sleep on that. That's all I can say. It helps you win
0: games. Expl-
4: yep. Explain.
0: So uh, eight, so, sorry, go ahead, Zach. Eight, if you pick the roll, you have to go last in the turn. Okay. It's worth it because of what it does. If you're not the player that has eight, you can spend a token from your pool and you can draw <coughs> a secret objective card. You can only ever have three secret objectives total, three at all, scored or unscored. So getting more of those is a big deal. But if, you, if you're the player who took eight, you can score a victory point if you have the center planet, Meclothal Rex, or you can score a publicly face-up objective that hasn't been scored yet by you. So you can score ahead of time.
1: Yeah, you can accelerate all your scoring and get extra things to score on.
4: Oh, so you can kind of you can kind of come from behind pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, or jettison out front real quickly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all about acceleration. And I've seen many a time where, because um, Zach seemed sometimes, or I'd say you know maybe about sixty percent of the time, kind of runs like a skeleton kind of fleet, bare minimum, because he. Uh, you know, Zach, I'm going to pick on you here a little bit. But, like, he'll he'll send out a, a a lone ship over here that has one job to do. Then they do their job, and that ship's dead to him,
0: effectively. <laughs> so, yeah, no. I, so I definitely run
1: run and score, score, score.
0: I run my fleet and how I play this game, like I'm a, an executive at a company. It is what gets me the point the fastest. I don't care about anything else. Oh, that ship blew up. It got me a victory point before it blew up. I don't care. Meanwhile, um,
1: the rest of us at the table are like, yeah, I got this. I got two war sons and this bigger modern. Zach's
0: like, yeah, that's cool. I just won, though.
3: <laughs> so pretty, but I won.
0: <laughs> no, one of the last games of the third edition we played is Pat is getting crap from one of our Gregs the whole game, and they both run at each other. And I'm just like, hey, guys, I'm about to win. Screw you. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm still just winning. But you guys that's keep amazing. this fight up.
3: It's amazing
0: and yeah Yeah, i don't know why
1: this greg called me out at the very beginning of the game He's like and i think it was on the other side of the universe or something yes literally
0: literally across the hex
1: and he's like pat i'm gonna come kill you and i'm just like okay so i build up this whole big fleet and then i just drive it down his throat and and zach's like about to win guys and i'm like yeah that's cool i'm 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 winning over here i'm having my my best life (laughs)
4: Well, no, and what's funny about that scenario is that same scenario has happened multiple times in different games. Like, Zach's about about to win, and it's two people that aren't about to win squabbling and ignoring him.
2: No, there was definitely a point where I was contemplating what I was going to do, and I saw, like, a space. I was, like, looking at a specific... Hex and I swear Zach saw me look at it because you know because he's paying attention. Because he's paying attention. Right. And and he's like, Oh no, you don't want to go there. And you know, I should have I should have definitely gone and like impacted his plans um when I had the opportunity because I was already done obliterating Pat's Armada.
0: This is not a game where I'll claim I'm gonna win until I've already like sewed it up in a bag. So this last game, I'm gonna win. Are you sure? It's like I have eleven points out of ten. You guys already, you guys already lost.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I want to go there.
0: Brian <laughs> was too busy eating his salad.
1: By the way, I was playing a plant race, so.
2: No, nah. we, we did, a, we did a good job of, of trading uh, victory points, though, because you got, you oh. got the planet, but then I destroyed your fleet with my flagship. So we, we basically traded victory points at that point.
0: Yeah. And. Speaking of deals, Pat, do you want to talk about how Tim like roasted you out of existence? Well, so before okay, well well, I I'll,
1: I'll I'll say this little nugget and then we'll I believe we should carry on in our uh, categories. But um so I was playing the Zacha or Za kingdom the turtles. I I like the peace turtle. Turtles. Yeah, I love the space turtles. Um they're I'd say probably like in a medium tier kind of race, but the turtles are, guess what? They're very defensive. They really are all about their borders. And um, I believe Tim was the Necrovirus, the really killy. They kind of look like the machines from the Matrix, third Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they're all about killing sentient life. And they also will research all your technologies by killing you. So I had this really uh, nasty neighbor, and I was, you know, a little peace turtle over there. And uh, (laughs) I had many opportunities to shoot these PDS cannons because not only were the turtles PDS's better, um, my flagship was also able to shoot in neighboring um, systems. And so I had multiple opportunities to shoot this little necrovirus crawling through my slice of space but tim you know was bending my ear whispering sweet nothings in there and so i was just like yeah yeah you get a free pass and then you know he just just murders the crap out of me like in one real quick sleep and uh i think that is the moment whenever i said never again will i be a uh you know free pass kind of turtle i think my next iteration of Turtle gameplay is if you come to near my borders, I'm just going to shoot you regardless. Um, <laughs> Never <laughs> be... again.
3: Get Never off my property. Be... Never again will I be a free pass kind of turtle. Love
1: <laughs> and, and, yeah.
4: it. And, and Get off and, my
1: property, kind of turtle.
4: Just to just to be clear <laughs> here. Get off my lawn. Just to be clear here for the listeners out there, that's what Pat is describing as classic Tim.
0: Oh no, super aggressive. Will like roast you immediately. He, he will never forgive the fact that I called out that he was going to win that round. So I banded the entire table against him. They blew him out of the water. And then, like, after the dust settles, like, oh, I can win right now. And I just, like, stole the victory from him right there. But that being
1: said, Tim, if you're listening, I still love you, buddy. I just don't trust oh, you. Oh,
4: no, absolutely. Yeah, N- mad respect.
0: Okay, so we're going to swap over to races. If everyone who's played a couple races want to read, like, or mention their two favorites, that'll work. And then if anyone, any others come up, we can talk about that. I'm going to start. Uh My two are the S- Space Snakes. I always forget their name. Uh They have the amazing ability of always going zero in initiative. And it's a big deal. You can pick any of those roll cards, and your number becomes zero. You're always first every round. And they also get to like psychically retreat from combat. So like if they think they're going to lose, they can just like, hey, I'm leaving.
3: Pick a slither on out of there.
0: Yeah. And are uh,
1: for their name. They're the Nalu, and um, their big thing is prescience. You know, so they always have that that ahead. You know, kind of tactic. Hence why their initiatives um, always zero. And um, Zach, do you want me to go a little bit more in depth on them? Go for it. Okay, so big things with the Nalu is they can kind of dictate when they're going to fight, which kind of leans into their little prescience kind of abilities. And basically, whenever somebody activates your system, i.e. coming in to attack you, they can use a token from their strategy pool to be like, oh, well, my fleet's going over to this other system, and they bail out of the system before they ever get attacked. So that's a big move that they can do. And other thing that is uh unique to them is they have some of the best fighter ships which are just the smallest spaceship you can get but they kind of have a swarm mentality and can kind of just overwhelm you with the number of fighters so that's big trademarks of the nalu
0: yep that's very good pat and like just to cover like that's how crazy some of the powers can get the fact that you're always first every turn is massive uh, my next one are the Hakan, also called the Space Cats. Uh, they focus on trade. Uh, you are not bound by the borders. Everyone else, when they have to trade, has to be an immediate neighbor with someone. You can trade with every player as soon as the game starts. I love wheeling and dealing, so you can do it immediately. Also, if someone picks trade, they can't like punish you. You can always have your commodity, so you're wheeling and dealing the whole game.
3: Like the Ferengi. <laughs> Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Or the if anybody plays Skyrim, uh, the Khajiit, the cat people, they're players the in uh, El- the Elder Scrolls series, very similar.
1: Exactly. They're, they're space Khajiit, basically. It's real, um, it's real fun
0: if you want to have like a load of cash the whole game.
1: Yeah, and there are some objectives where it's just like, hey, pay this much cash and you get these many points, which for them is anything and also trade goods they can be influence as well as resources so not only can you you know buy spaceships and you know units with it you can also buy votes and whatnot with trade goods as well so it's a very versatile currency which can make them a very versatile faction um brian do you want to go ahead and talk about your birds
2: yeah uh the argent flight um I probably don't know as much as Pat does, but from my understanding, that they're kind of a once slave race that broke off and does their own thing. Um, they're uh, they're very strong as far as you get to start with two techs, two out of three, um, and very useful to start with because you can research if you get you know if you get to pick your tech. Option your first turn, you can research and you know double up and make your they have a really good cruiser um and uh yeah that they're fun um i I was in contention for most of the game. I know I started out really quick, Pat said it multiple times to me he's like you're already you're at you know i think I had two victory points by the end of round two i was you know I was keeping up pace,
1: yeah um. Brian's early game was very on point for that faction that he was playing and uh, just a correction It's not cruiser that they care about. It's the destroyers and The biggest you're alright, buddy Um, and the biggest thing about that faction is their destroyers are probably one of the best um, best units per cost in the game and uh, their big thing about it is destroyers are meant to be anti-fight, or they're they're meant to fight swarms of fighters, like um, the Nalu and the Ardent Flight. They would be, you know, prime rivals, snakes and birds hating each other. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> but uh, the fact that the destroyers anti-fighter barrage normally only hits fighters, but the Ardent Flight's destroyers, their anti-fighter barrage, once they kill all your fighters, any excess damage that they do will roll over to any of your ships with sustained damage, which is the best ships in the whole game. So as far as, uh, you know, races go, the Ardent Flight are very defensible combat tactician kind of fighters, and, uh, yeah, they're they're really good at some warfare. Cause I was trying to drive into Brian's space and uh I found out it was a bad idea real quick.
2: Yeah, I had the I had the upgraded planetary defense systems and I believe my hero, that's the middle guy, right? Uh,
1: yeah. no, the, your commander.
2: The commander. The commander allows you to add one die to every skill roll, like roll for a power that you have. So, a beast. Yeah, so like my planetary defense system allowed me to fire from adjacent hexes, and I had two. So when he like showed up, there was I think three different planetary defense systems that were just bombarding your, uh, your fleet to begin with.
1: Yeah. And, um, as far as like fluff for the ardent flight, um, as Brian said, they were kind of a fledgling kind of race. And, uh, They were under the yoke of the mahat Gene sorcerers, and they just kind of broke out from them and kind of were getting out into the galaxy. But not only are they a defensive kind of tactical race, but they also have um, something that they can do in the agenda phase where they cast an additional number of votes equal to the number of other players. So they're not just primarily combat. They do have a little bit of stuff to do in the agenda phase.
2: Yeah, that was that was nice having. You know, I feel like every time I voted, I voted with at least ten votes because uh, we had six players. So, and I had plenty of planets that had uh, influence, so it was easy to easy to spend it.
3: They also look rad as fuck. I'm just saying. I'm looking at the picture now.
2: Oh yeah, and um, their flagship, which this is this is where it, um kind of confused me. Their flagship's name is Quetzalcoatl, which is like an Aztec uh, like veiled serpent deity, which I, I found was interesting that their flagship was named after a snake.
3: A snake.
0: Yeah. Well, it's also a famous bird in South America, or Quetzals.
1: It's a, a big dinosaur, uh, winged dinosaur as well. Interesting. And is there any races that you remember playing that you uh, enjoy?
4: There actually is one. Um And Zach, I don't know if you remember, I might have played the same race twice, the two times that I played the game. I like the that race that starts with their flagship. I think it's the Space Nomads. Is that right?
1: Nomads, yeah. Nomad, yeah.
4: Yeah, I like those guys because the... And when I go trolling around in the galaxy just looking for stuff, I feel safe in my capital ship, man. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. So... um, so, I'll, I'll do a little rundown on the Nomad for you, Ian. Do it, As man. far as the flow, the Nomad, he's kind of a shadow broker in the uh, Twilight Imperium universe. He always seems to show up at the right place at the right time in pivotal events within the universe. And um, what the shadow broker is, he has this cabal of agents that are from all different races i believe he has a ghost of creus a hakan a human and somebody else within his retinue of agents that he has and um you know they he has a lot of political pull and uh he can also have like a whole lot of money at any given time he's kind of a jack of all trades and uh, they reflect that on the tabletop oh also they think he, he's a time traveler as well, or has time-related time, time related tech. Oh, sold.
4: I, uh, I love this race even more that now. Is
3: so cool.
1: Yeah. I so, love that.
4: Such a sucker so, for time travel.
1: Uh, yeah, I, he might be like um, a Doctor Who of TI. Anyways, <laughs> so how they reflect that on the table is he has his flagship right out the gate, which what was what Ian was referencing, and um, that's that's his that's his limo that's his ride that's his jam he's showing up wherever whenever around the galaxy in that ride it's basically the starship um,
4: enterprise dude when I'm play when, the last time I played with the 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 Nova, I, I was just cruising around like it was the starship enterprise
1: yeah yeah um, so whenever. He was one of the races that came out of the Prophecy of Kings expansion, which introduces uh, a few different components within the game. But whereas every other race has one agent, um, the mom- the Nomad has three, and you know one of your agents gets you money. Another one of your agents, um, anytime there's a round of combat that you, that you don't like and it's not in your favor, you can be like, nope, everybody reroll. And um, another agent is able to, you know, have troops move tactically around the board. And these are things you can sell to people as well. Um, uh, his commander allows you to get your flagship back for free. So, you know, the nomad really cares about his super awesome dope ride to the point where he can get it back for free should he ever lose it. Um, maybe a little bit of time sorcery is involved there. And, um the other thing about the nomad faction wherever he has a mech you can treat the system adjacent or you can treat the mech is at the adjacent to where the flagship is so for instance say you have a mech on a planet you know way out from where your flagship is you activate a system beside it bam your flagship teleports from one side of the board all the way to another side of the board which people weren't necessarily counting on, so that's how that all kind of translates to his flaw.
4: So it's like a time travel warp. He can warp to his, to his mix. Yeah, warp.
1: he can go to where he needs to be when he needs to be there.
3: Man, man, you had me at Shadow Broker. As someone who loves Mass Effect, that yeah, you had me yeah. at Shadow Broker. That, that's uh, that's so cool,
4: yes. Lindsay. That's what I was thinking about was Mass Effect when he was talking about that. That yeah. this is basically a yeah. cross between. Somebody who's got, like, the most tricked-out Starship Enterprise and the dude from Mass Effect.
3: Dude.
1: Cool. Yep. Cool. Um, let's see. All right, so Ian's laid down. Lindsay, unfortunately, hasn't played yet. We'll, we'll get her there eventually. She might want to play the Nomad. I kind <laughs>
3: of want to play Nomad right now.
1: <laughs> uh, he's the next one bad. I want to play. I haven't played him yet, but... He's definitely uh, high up on my list. I want to play the can bug race um, next.
4: The the bug race is the one I want to play next.
1: Oh, you want to go on hard mode, <laughs> uh, Zach? What what two races do you think I should talk about for mine? Because I mean, in all oh, honestly, all of them are really cool. Um, I think Lindsay gonna... had a
0: lead had a lead in, but we can do your two races next too. Oh, uh, what was Lindsay's lead in?
3: I was just gonna ask. Can I ask about a race? Because you guys sent sure. a bunch of photos. Um, sure. What? Who? Who are the this, uh, this lion race? It looks like.
0: Oh, that's the Hakan. Those are the cat people.
3: Gotcha. gotcha.
0: Those are the wheelie deely trade people.
3: Gotcha. And then the yeah. um, and then the uh, you guys were talking about um, the T Rex people. <laughs>
0: um i'm not well versed in their lore the, space yet, the space dinosaurs
4: so is that was that the space angry
0: dinosaurs? angry space dinosaurs i know they live in black holes you get to steal ships from people and if you have your flagship out and people attack you anything that dies they suck up including their own stuff so oh, they can just like exp- they can just explode like a whole bunch of units on the board
1: yeah effectively on table they have the highest production
0: of anybody
3: They live in black holes. That's insane. And
0: and you can set little black holes out too.
3: Oh wait, so they can set black holes?
0: Like in in systems they have, yeah. Ah, cool. Uh, As far as well. Go ahead, Zach. why, Why Pat was mentioning the bugs are hard mode, they have no tech, but they do have the amazing ability of all their roles are plus one.
4: Yeah, I remember, I think it was the first time we played TI4, I think Tim was the bug people and just trounced like crazy.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I'll talk about them for a little bit. The bugs we're referencing, they're called the Sardak Noor. Um, and, you know, because this is a big space whoa, whoa, opera. Whoa, whoa,
0: sir, so, sir, they live on Klendathu. Yeah, what,
1: they live on... Well, that's where I was going with this. Um, well, there's a little bit of reference to a lot of sci-fi in this game. And as Zach said, they're from Klendathu, which, if anybody knows, is from Starship Troopers. And they're essentially the bug world of Starship Troopers. Yep. And they like violence. Um, but we, we poo-poo on them a little bit because they're, I think, the only race that starts with no technology. Yeah, they have no, they have no tech at all. Not a single one. And the reason that is, I mean, it's bad in multiple layers. But uh, the reason me and Zach, I like poo-poo on them quite a bit, and a lot of the online community does, is a lot of the objectives are geared towards you having techs of multiple types or combines, and if you already start with nothing where somebody else is starting with two of something and they're really hard to get, you're already starting the game on hard mode. So
0: that is why we
1: poo-poo the bugs.
3: Gotcha. What about the little goblin guys, Zach?
0: Uh, that's who like? I, just, I just won as the goblin guys. They're the spy race. You get to spy. You have the amazing ability of you have no maximum hand size of action cards. and whenever you draw one, you draw an additional one, but have to discard one. And as a special action on your turn, you just get to discard one and pass for a round. So you can literally just wait everyone out.
3: oh wow. okay.
0: cool. Um I guess as
1: I, I think I'm going to talk about maybe two races Go for um, it, of kind of uh, I guess I'll talk about varying types. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about is called the Mintak Coalition. Um, what their shtick is, what their fluff is... is-
2: <laughs>
1: um, they were all prisoners of the previous uh, Lazak Empire. And whenever that crumbled, hey, guess what? No more prison. So they all banded together and made this Mintak Coalition. So they are... They are pulled from every single race, and being prior prisoners, they're all about you know skullduggery and being rogues and uh ne'er do wells and being pirates, space pirates. Um,
3: that is
0: is incorrect, sir. They're from space Australia, they are space Australians. I was gonna
3: make an Australia joke, but (laughs) you made me do.
0: I mean, they are from a penal colony world, so
3: gotcha.
1: Um, but that being said, how that translates to the board is, um, I don't quote me. I don't have the names of these abilities in front of me. But um, they have one ability to where if any of your neighbors have gained more than three, three trade goods via... Tra- or if they gain any trade goods and they have three or more from any transaction... So I, this is something I learned uh, the other day, Zach. A transaction could be a promissory note, trade goods, commodities um yeah it's it's any wheel in any, any deal that you make they can go over that they can reach over to your little trade goods pile and get their grubby hands on one and by neighbor it's not necessarily who are sitting to the left or right of you it's who you have a unit near so they have these fast little cruisers that are specific to them as far as like the technology of these cruisers and uh so they're able to shoot them out, you know, far into the universe to get everybody to, you know, won't you be my neighbor? And uh, dig their greedy little paws into everybody's trade goods. Um, the other part is their cruisers uh, have an ambush ability to where they can, they can fire first and then go into combat. So they're all about quick and fast and greedy. And I think they have some um, interesting tech to where and this one's a big one. Um, anytime you spend a trade good, it's worth two trade goods. So maybe, maybe it's a counterfeiting ring they have, and they, they just double up their trade goods. I'm not sure as far as the fluff. Of yeah, that, that's what I was don't thinking. They, of, don't they have a
0: tech? Don't they have a tech where if they blow something up, they can make it?
1: Oh, it if if one of their things blows up, they get trade goods as well. 'Cause I guess they would have salvagers or something.
0: No, I but, thought they had a tech, like if you blew up a war sun, you could make a war sun. No. Not
1: not that I know of. Not that I know of. I know they have double up and stealing and ambush.
4: I'm picturing I these guys. I'm picturing these guys making fake space Nikes.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I've just recently got into Twilight Imperium books, and uh, this first book that I'm reading is based around a uh, Mintac Coalition cruiser and its crew, which has been fun because, as I said, the coalition is a little bit of everybody, so I'm able to see, you know, what a lot of these species are like. Um, let's see, the other race. So that those are like thieving Mercs. And, uh, they were fun. Um, another race I'll talk about is another one of the big ones. Uh, like, probably original races. And one where I got a win with. They were called the Barony of Letnev. Now, <laughs> as far as fluff for these guys, they come from a world where the sun was either too much too much for their planet or scorching-, scorching the surface. So, they were subterranean dwellers. And, uh... So they have, you know, they have an affinity for the dark. They hate the light, so on and so forth. Um, as far as, like, a translation for us, they're space elves. Uh, they they favor the drow quite a bit if you're, uh, you know, uh, with D&D. But as far as um, how the barony is, is they are all about bureauc- bureaucracy, all about doing things to the letter. Um, in this book recently, you know, a human might enjoy a sunny day on the beach, but, you know, for enjoyment for a Letnev would be like, hey, let's do our taxes. And they'd be like, yes, this is the best. Um, and if I recall,
0: their, one of their racial abilities is they, just, they have always plus two to their fleet size. Yep. So whenever we get into
1: their... Uh, racial abilities and how they are on the table. They are a very militaristic kind of race, which kind of control and order. Um, I guess you would say they're pretty much fasc- space fascist. Um, they're not super well liked, but um, on the table they have two more fleet size than their fleet pools, so they can muster some of the largest nasty fleets in the Imperium. And also, they have another ability to where you can pay two trade goods uh, prior to a round of combat, and you get to reroll as many dice as you want. And um, I remember I was playing against another player, Bob, and I came into a fight loaded down with my pockets full of trade goods and um, there's some other units that whenever they sustain damage, they can give you trade goods. So I was infinitely just like, yes, I get all the rerolls. And um, that is a game where I just rolled through the center of space and um, just deleted who was in front of me and won. um, They have really good destroyers, and yeah, they're an oppressive military force. I believe that's all I have to say about Barony of Letna.
3: I mean, I think Barony is such a great choice. of I was like, I felt like I understood who they were just by Barony.
4: Pretty much sums it up, doesn't it, Lindsay?
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. I was like, uh, okay.
0: I'm going to call it a couple more. We're not going to cover them in details, just in general, like what they do in the game, what makes them interesting, what makes them powerful. Uh, Pat's covered the space turtles. There's also the Lizette mine net. So if you want to have very scary destroyers and have basically... Androids run around. There's that. There's the Necrovirus that, like, are basically from the Matrix, fly around and, like, eat you up and get your tech. And last but not least, at least for me, uh, you can play the Plant People and you can basically have your ground forces grow other other things. So you can have a troop grow, like, a Star Destroyer.
1: Oh, and uh, I, I want to throw out two more. The Sardic Nor, uh, they're former slaves, and their big shtick is that they're um was it their spaceport can move around i call it their trailer park so they basically cruise around the galaxy in their trailer park and uh they just they just make more shit <laughs>
4: that's the next actually forget the space bugs i'm 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 gonna play those guys next pat Re- remind me next time we play
1: <laughs> yeah they they call it the sard death ball because there's kind of an action economy where you, you can move and produce at the same time. So they kind of just, it's kind of a snowball effect. Almost. They just get bigger and bigger and draw more people in and just cruise around the galaxy
0: in their, in their RV. Or you play the Yin brotherhood and you just slam their uh, flagship into that system and kill everything. Cause that, when that thing dies, it takes out everything.
1: Yep. The kamikaze flagship. I will one day do that to somebody.
4: Um, sold. Yeah, that—that's I'm doing. I'm. Oh yeah, this is gonna be good.
0: And while we haven't covered them, uh, the the souls, the humans, they're very good. Like, there's no denying it. It's like a lot of people say about a lot of other games. Oh, the humans are really great. It's like, yes, the humans are very good in this game. They have some of the best ground forces. They get to fart a whole bunch of them out. They have a massive action economy. You're not guaranteed to win if you play as the humans, but you have a good advantage.
1: Yeah, and I would, um, for anybody that's like brand hammer new to Twilight Imperium, I would kind of recommend the humans because, um, as X was stating, the action economy, they get more action tokens than others. And uh, something you can do as a new player, you can really spread yourself thin in the first game round. And um, then, you know, come second game round, it's like, oh, I overextended so um they kind of help prevent that in a ways okay moving on oops sorry, sorry
0: brian go
2: it's okay i i i do want to shout out the universities of joel nar i think that's gonna be the next one i would like to try no
1: <laughs> zach do you want to say why now <laughs> i mean this is this is for
0: our play group uh yeah, and I, and what i I, and... I have
4: to know why <laughs>
0: Before the expansion, the university has a, had a seventy five percent win rate because they have so much tech. They get a bonus for taking tech, and all the at the low low cost of getting a a negative one to all their dice. They're so easy to win with.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, the first time I played TI, I played uh, University of Jolinar, got in a fight with literally nobody, did nothing, didn't know what I was doing, and I won.
2: I love that. Dang. I, uh, I just wanted to go Zach a little bit with that one. <laughs> oh, oh, we know.
0: Moving on to the next topic, these are going to be a couple of quick ones action cards. A game is full of a whole deck of action cards. Some of them are pretty basic, like, hey, you get a plus one in combat this round or this roll. But some of them are incredibly powerful. One of them is, hey, when you go to turn in your strategy card, don't keep it for a whole another round. No one gets to pick it. Another one is, hey, you're going to go spend your strategy card card this turn no your turn ends immediately you wanted to do tech without me stop and we can't forget sabotage yep just counter someone else's card yeah it's a blue
1: counter spell for uh, those that play magic and um another one that is has you know made people cry is direct hit i got hit now i blow up boop,
3: boop. Pew, pew.
0: goodbye war or during the agenda phase, it's like laws come into play and you can elect players like, hey, you're going to be like the diplomat of peace or you get like a bonus to tech. And you can just play confusing ru- rules text and it just it gets assigned to you instead. Ooh. Use your legalese. And, um, basically,
1: action cards in, in TI are the gotcha cards. And, uh, you know, again, I'm going to reference Magic. They're, they're the blue cards.
0: Yep, you could, like, hey, I'm not going to vote on this political thing, but if, if it goes my way, I get a free victory point, and then you have everyone, like, so if this passes, we got to blow up half our stuff, yeah. But if it fails, he gets a victory point, like, God, blow up half our stuff. Because, like, the agendas are laws, so you pass new rules in the game. Yep.
2: Every technology research, you have to blow up a ship. Not a fun law.
3: Yeah, that sounds pretty mean.
0: Next quick topic, I'm going to cover tech... I personally think the tech deck should be reworked. I pretty much never want a single yellow tech and I barely ever look at the red ones. It's just blue and occasionally green for me. How about you guys? I don't know how you guys feel about it. Um, I'm going to say it all
1: very much depends on what faction you're going for. Cause, uh, with most of the factions, your faction specific tech, uh, are usually always great to get with your faction. Um, And you got to chase those prerequisites. Um, Zach, do you want to talk about two of the colors of tech? And I'll talk about the other two colors of the tech real quick.
0: I guess I'll do blue and green. Those are the ones I know the most. All right. So, Lindsay, just as a reference, every player gets a tech deck in their color. So you get a whole stack of cards in your color. If you're playing black, you get black. And the techs themselves come in four colors. Yellow, green, blue, and red. There's also tech for each unit, so you can improve all your units. And then your faction gets two tech, so you get a lot of options. Okay. And then how the tech works is if it's a base tech, you just have to take the technology roll or start with it, and you just have it. And then as you get more in one color, you can build on it and get better versions of tech. So this one requires two green. Okay, I can get more tech there. And then unit techs might require a variety of colors. The War Sun's hard to get because you need two yellow and two red, or at least two yellow and one red. It's a lot. Okay. Uh, Yellow is primarily just about saving money. Whenever you build, you get a discount, or, hey, your space stocks build plus one more. There's a variety of them. I'm not going to, like, claim every single one. Yeah,
1: I would say yellow yellow is utility and defenses.
0: And then green is kind of uh, either you're going to get, like, stuff like your ground forces or you get stuff about your own economy, like you get more action tokens back instead of what everyone else gets. You get to draw more action cards. I know I switched, um, up, switched yeah, that up on you, Pat, but
1: Yeah, you got other colors on me, buddy. Um, but yeah, um, so red is typically geared to the vortex. Um, usually a initial starting one's plasma scoring where your PDS get an extra shot. Um, but yeah, red is everything aggressive like that um <laughs> and yeah and then we blue is all about maneuverability um it was the best yeah um blue well in his opinion but uh, it, it's high up there it's high up there um a, a lot of the starting one is, for blue is um any mass deflectors which allow you to go into um asteroid fields the which normally you can't drive into because hey guess what you'll blow up um, But other things in blue is, you know, perp- uh, propulsion, like, you know, going further. Um, and there is dark energy tap, which allows you to explore special areas within the universe. So exploration speed mobility is blue.
0: Cool. Yep. And tech's important. It's probably like when someone takes the tech role, everyone at the table spends a good seven minutes, like, looking at all their options.
1: Yeah, and the, the technology strategy card is, I, I know we've, pa- or we've gone past that point as far as strategy cards, but there are a handful that get picked all the time, and tech is one of them.
3: Makes sense.
0: Yeah, because if you take it, you could possibly make two tech versus everyone just making one. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Lindsay,
4: this is where I screwed up in the last game is I did too much exploring, and I just didn't care about tech at all. I was looking for the cool little artifacts in space.
3: I mean, I understand that, too.
1: <laughs> so, Ian, it sounds like if, if you want to go space exploring again, um, there's this faction called the Rish, uh, Rishaka Alliance. It's basically these um, mercenary cats. It, do you remember uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome Master Blaster? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's that but with cats and a, a little pygmy baby
0: and a mech.
1: What? what? And, and a mech, Yeah. But they're they're all about exploring space. That's what they love to do and they get um they it's easier for them to do it and they get extra benefits for doing it, so.
3: Cool
4: cuz that's Maybe what, that that's works. what I like to do when I'm playing TI. Yeah.
3: That
1: sounds like you. Yeah. Be be Master Blaster. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Now, uh, I know we've talked about Mechathor Rex and the fact that it's the center of the universe. We've also failed to mention that the first person to get there and using influence land people there, you basically like land like diplomats there, you get a permanent victory point. And once you do that, you unlock the government for the rest of the game, which is where the agenda phase comes from.
1: Which some people, such as the Turtles, they really care about the government and they want that to happen. So, you know, might be an early game goal for them.
0: And we've somewhat mentioned it. Uh the agenda phase how it works is basically two cards get pulled each round. And they are they tend to be laws. Like it is a permanent effect. You're all voting on like, hey, you you can't use wormholes, or hey, you can use wormholes interchangeably. Or hey, everyone has to blow up a number of ground forces. Or hey, everyone gets additional ground forces. Or hey, this one player gets, gets a victory point. That is a, that is stuff that can be voted on. So a lot of wheeling, um, dealing, a lot of politicking.
1: One thing I will say about agendas, and uh, me and Zach talked at length about it before, um, we think maybe it can be fine-tuned because there are many agendas that come up that most of the tables like shrug, I, I don't care about this, versus ones that come up where everyone's like, oh man, this has got to happen. Um, so that's why we believe that it's kind of like more of a sleeper kind of phase where it's like, yeah, it's important, but you know, it, if it's back, there, there,
0: there can be some real nothing burgers in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the one like Brian mentioned, it's like, Oh, whenever you make a tech, you blow up a ship. It's like, it means tech is dangerous because people don't like people tend to build, build like a handful of ships, but you don't want to blow up like two or three of them.
2: No, especially when you're trying to get a secret objective that says have six flying ships, have a flying ship in six systems. So it was like really, really, really made things tough. Cause yeah, I needed, that's rough, I, I needed the tech to uh, upgrade something to do something else. I don't remember what it was.
1: I, I think by the end of that particular game, I was playing the Arborek, the, the um, hive Mind plant, and um, I was blowing up ships left and right because you know i needed tech and by the end of the game all i had was like plants on worlds but no space fleet really to speak of so that was goofy
0: and then from that we're going to move on how to win the game traditionally it's played to 10 there's an option for 14 some people say 12 there's a good argument either way How the game is won is every round there's two minimum objectives that are public. Everyone gets to see them. Every player is dealt two secret objectives and get to keep one. You can have three total. And then all the other remaining points you have to find. Like you either have to find the Mechatol point, you get a relic that has a point, or you have to wait for one new one to come out at the end of each round. And you can't even score that one until the next round, which is what makes eight so valuable. And some standard objectives might be: have, hey, have two techs of two colors. So two yellows, two reds. Or have two, up, two upgraded units. Or have one of each color or two of each color. And for the most part, they're usually either one or two points. And you usually don't see the two point ones till the end of the game. Did I misconstrue any of those?
2: Nope. That sounded like how I acquired <laughs> points very early in the game, <laughs> last game. Yep.
0: You, had a, you had a strong start there, Brian, for sure. Yep.
2: Just can't finish.
0: (laughs) And then in terms of like a pro tip, every move you make on the board is either getting you towards a point or a second point. That's how you have, you have to make every move like that. Which is
1: um, why I go back to that earlier point of, Hey, I can't see the objectives over here. And a lot of the things I do need to gear towards getting those objectives. So, you know, take a picture of the objectives or write them down, whatever it is you got to do. So you can have those kind of sitting in front of you. So you can be like, okay, okay. How do I complete this objective? Okay. Well, I need to do this and that and this, you know,
0: or as Pat pointed out, Hey Zach, you got that random spaceship over there. It already scored me a point. I don't give a shit about it anymore.
1: Yeah. That, that crew's sitting in the dead of space. Like what do we do now? Uh, they call into, uh, you know, the home system, Zach, and he's like, who are you? Oh,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't, Who I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 already, I already, I already cashed the life insurance on your whole family. So, so like, hey. Buck, like, why are we out here? I don't know, man. Like, I don't care.
1: Can, can can we come home? No, I didn't put enough gas in your starship for that. You're 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 abandoned
4: out there. So it's a one way trip.
2: But the space birds will sing about your glories till the end of the days.
4: Oh yeah, you'll never be forgotten. Yeah,
1: while Zach's kicking his feet up on the throne in Mechital, like, huh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. And then there they are just floating in the cold space.
0: Oh, not my problem. The only other part is, like, like if you have a choice between... Because at the end of each round, you can only score one secret or one public. So even if you have, like, achieved multiple, always score the one that's harder. Like, the one you might not get. Like, the tech one? Sandbag that. You're You're not the... There's only like an agenda that makes you lose tech and it's rare. So if you have the tech ones done, but there's a harder one, like be in four systems, score that. The tech one will be there the next go around. Yeah. Always try to score the more difficult one. That's like some of the best advice I can give you. Like, hey, this requires me to be in multiple weird spaces. Score that first.
1: All right. Well, do we have any closing remarks from Ian or Lindsay or Brian or anybody want to talk about how they feel or if they're excited to play? Oh,
4: no, I'm definitely up to play another game. Uh, I hate I couldn't, I couldn't uh, play the last time, but yeah, I, I definitely can't wait to play again. And I want to be the, I want to be the explorer race I'm doing it.
3: I can't wait to be a shadow broker.
0: I'm just going to be a bug throwing rocks at you. From straight from
1: Clendath, here comes Zach.
0: Uh, <laughs> I won't even like bring the rock. I'll just tell him I'm bringing the rock. Then all my fleet fleet shows up. Where's the rocks? Oh yeah, I lied about those.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I too like Lindsay. Am excited to play the Nomad next. But also, as I've gone and uh, learned about you know all these different factions and races, and you know done my deep dive and nerding around. I've come to find out that a lot of them are attractive and fun to play to me. Like, I could be happy trying any new one, really, for instance. Um, But, yeah, that being said, definitely the Nomad's up there for me.
3: I definitely want to ask you more about the books, too, later on. If you have any recommendations of any ones that you know in particular that are good.
1: Well, I'm just delving, because right now I found four of them um let me pull them up so i could uh, the first one as far i i think this is the uh, order the first one is called the fractured void it's by tim pratt and um there is a dramatized version if you're kind of looking that from, for for that from audible um it, the, as far as the author is concerned it, it seems um like they're a young author they you know i don't know what else they have under their belt but it is a uh, definitely fun uh space romp enjoyable you know um and it's for me i just de- i wanted a different uh viewpoint other than the back of these character sheets that we have for okay. information into the twilight universe
3: it just sounds fun
1: which um we we didn't mention there zach the the back of these character sheets because on the front side as far as like player aids go for this game, you have all your units and your faction abilities and all the meat of what you really need to see. But on the back side there's a whole page printout of the fluff yeah, you, and the lore of you get like
0: four or five paragraphs, yeah, of like this is what I am.
1: Rad. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot to chew on and whenever you're playing the game, you know, I mean, we're all playing, you know, make believe games like be it Shadows of Camelot and or playing knights or whatever. It's always good to get in that kind of headspace,
0: or just RP a little bit with you with them. Well, I would say that that's one of the advantages of TI is like, yeah, there's a lot of tiny rules, but the game is very fluid in terms of like, no, you just you're taking very simple actions. But yeah, role play your race, like have fun doing it. Like I was over this conniving as like little space goblins. I I backstab people all the time that whole game. But I, oh, yeah, and that's, that's what they're about.
1: And a lot of these powers translate really well to what the fluff says about these
0: characters.
3: I could just imagine you as space goblins over there, Zach.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I went to everyone halfway through the game, like, give me a card or you discard in half your hand. What? I have all the information, my spies.
1: <laughs> yep, yes. He had a secret spy network. and I like, uh,
3: Yes, he did. <laughs> and
1: everybody ignored him, and it worked out greatly for him, so.
2: <laughs> it did, yep.
0: There is yeah. no war in the galaxy of Ba Sing Se.
2: Well, I I know who I'm going to be next time, or how, who I want to be. I think I want to be the council.
0: The new guys?
1: Yeah. Is there anything you can tell us about them there, Brian? Because I, I have read nothing on them. I've just seen a picture.
0: All I know um, is that they pick three different races, and they get one of the home systems. That's the one I know for a fact.
2: Yeah, you get to you get to choose an unplayed faction from a, uh, among the MenTech, uh, the Turtles, the Flight, and you get to take that um, faction's home system, command tokens, and control markers. So, and then you get to replenish commodities at the start of the strategy phase to get in. And, um, and then you gain one trade good. And anybody that's in a uh, hex adjacent to Megatol Rex, uh, or no, sorry, that's not it. I thought there was a, maybe that was one of the other ones. I don't know. I I feel like I just want to try the new one because, yeah. Um, I'm also uh, excited to, you know, see everybody tomorrow at Cape Fear uh, Games and um, Sideboard. Uh, Shout out to them for being awesome and hosting our um, marathon games.
4: Absolutely. Love those guys.
0: They got a new chicken salad sandwich that looks real good. I
3: can't wait to try it. I'm so excited. That's it. That's the one. That's it. That's it. We know. So
4: how do we feel for... I was going to say
1: sci-fi and chicken salad sandwiches. That's where we're at now.
4: (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think next week we're going to cover Castle Ember and uh, White Plume Mountain 2 D&D Funhouse Dungeons. We can find out about the Super Tetanus.
3: Oh, yay. I love Super Tetanus.
0: It's like deadly. Is it normal tennis? It's it's super deadly.
3: Super.
1: And uh, if you made it to this part of the podcast, we'd like to thank you and uh, appreciate your viewership. And uh, we
0: hope to see you guys next week. Thank you, everyone out there. Thanks, guys. Great thank you to all your listeners. And I hope you have a great evening or a great day, depending on when you're listening.
3: Cheers. Bye.